sometimes it just feels like the days just kind of crawl along, but then when it comes to the years, you look back and you go, wow, here we are heading into 2017. You know, you get around family and, and friends at Christmas time, and, and you're just amazed at how fast they've grown up and, and all that kind of stuff. The days go by slowly, but the years just, man, they just fly by. My life has consisted of just over 15,000 days, and if you're around 40-ish, uh, yours is about the same, about 15,000 days. And on one hand, that seems like a lot of days, but on the other hand, that kind of seems like not so many days. Most of those 15,000 days just kind of blend together for me. Uh, I couldn't tell you what I was doing on March 3rd, 1982. Couldn't tell you what I was doing on March 3rd, 2016. They just kind of mushed together. But there are a, a few days that kind of stand out. One of those days is December 26th. 1979, uh, I was five years old. What I wanted for Christmas that year was a new bicycle, and sure enough, I got a, a shiny white uh, BMX bicycle. And I've always been a bit of a daredevil, so I thought, okay, even as a five-year-old, I thought what I, wa- I was going to try doing, I was, gonna, at my, I was at my grandparents' place, and between my grandpa's driveway and his neighbor's driveway was a little curb, so I thought, I'm going to try to jump over this thing. Sure enough, I go over it. Uh, flip over the handlebars, totally crash land, and searing pain goes ripping through my shoulders. And we wouldn't find out until two days later that I'd actually broken my collarbone. But I was trying to tough it out because I knew that we were going bowling and that, and I didn't want to miss out on bowling. Who wants to miss out on bowling, right? Another memorable day for me was September 26, 2009. That was the day that myself and my wife and our five kids drove across the border from Canada, and we walked into the little um, Customs and Border office there at, at Sumas, and we anxiously walked up to the counter, uh, wondering whether or not that this agent was going to let us into America and make America our, our new home. And as you can see, the answer was, was yes. But when it comes to memorable days, there are six days in my life that tower above all others. One of those is April 4th, 1998. That's the day that I married my beautiful bride. And the other five days are February 24th, 2000, May 26th, 2002, September 19th, 2004, April 23rd, 2007, and September 10th, 2009. I had to practice to be able to do that, by the way. <laughs> but those are the days that my five kids were, were all born. And uh, there's, there's different details that I remember about those five days. Um, I'll never forget with, with my oldest, Tori, when she came out. Nobody warned me that when a, a newborn comes out of the birth canal, um, she's a natural birth, and nobody warned me that what happens sometimes with babies is when they come out, because it's such a tight squeeze, that you know, they come out with a cone head. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. And so for the first two, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to say, hey, doctor, what's going on? Is there, and so the first two hours, I was overwhelmed with joy, but I was overwhelmed with anxiety because I thought, oh, man, she, my poor little girl is going to go the rest of their days with it. With I mean, it, was, it wasn't just a cone head. It was a cone head. And then with my second daughter, uh, Taylor, she came out, and she slipped out of the birth canal, and she was just uh, totally silent. I mean, not a, it was, talk about silent night, holy night. I mean, there was no noise at all. She just came out. And normally you think of a newborn baby, you think of screaming and none of that. She just came out and she laid on the table um, and laid in her arms 
just with her wide eyes, just quietly looking around, taking in this, this brand new, new world. And, and sometimes we miss those days in the Warner House of quiet. <laughs> with Ethan, it was the excitement of seeing that I had a little man. And with Aaliyah, it was the way that she, she didn't come out right away. She kind of played peekaboo for a little while. And uh, <laughs> I was there for all five kids. And with Presley, it was the way she came out so fast that, that she actually got delivered by the nurse because there wasn't enough time for the doctor to get there. She just was, I mean, she's, she's just like the go-getter. She's still that way to this day at seven years old. But with all five of my kids, there's one particular thing that was present at every single one of their births. There was hope. There was hope with every single one of them. I had a confident belief as I held that baby in my arms that the, they, they had a bright future waiting for them. There was a strong belief that, that their best days were ahead of them. One thing that was not present was, was hopelessness. And I don't think there's, there's any parent, regardless of, of how difficult the circumstances are that your child was born into, that, that holds that, that little baby in their arms and, and believes that their worst days are ahead of them. You, you believe that, that, that they have a hope. And... Uh, and a newborn baby just embodies hope. You believe that that little baby is going to make a difference. They're going to change the world. They've got great days ahead. And Christmas is about a lot of things. There's a, there's a lot of things that Christmas is about. But, but two things in particular. Christmas is, number one, it's about, it's about a baby being born. And second thing is Christmas is about hope. It's about hope. And there's no other baby in the history of the world who has embodied hope as much as this baby Jesus. Before Christ's birth, the world had been stuck in darkness. It had been stuck in captivity. It had been stuck in this place of, of, of bondage, wandering aimlessly through life. And into the middle of this darkness of, of humanity, God comes along and he makes some very strong promises, some hope-filled promises. He promised that one day a Savior would come Someone would come to deliver mankind, come to set them free. The Jewish people, they had a name for this person, this, this person that would come in and step on the scene like some kind of like ancient superhero to save the day. They called him the Messiah. And thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, God began to tell his people about how one day, off in the future, the Messiah would come. And these promises that God would make, they brought tremendous hope. The people believed that the future was bright because somebody was coming to save them. And so to Abraham, this father of the Israelites, God makes this promise. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The promise was a little vague. You know, there's nothing in there about who or how or, or, or when. But nevertheless, God makes this promise that someone is going to come. And Abraham's going to have a descendant someone's going to bless the world through this man, Abraham. Now, if God came along and made that promise to me, Rich, hey, just so you know, the entire planet, planet Earth, everybody on the planet is going to be blessed through you. I mean, that's going to bring some hope. That's going to bring some anticipation. And it's no different for, for Abraham and his people. They, they are full of hope. At least they're full of hope for a time. And like hope always seems to do, maybe you've noticed this, there, hope can be strong at one moment, and then the next moment it can turn to despair. 
And it's the same thing with, with Abraham and his descendants, the people of Israel. They would go through times of incredible darkness, times where this light of hope that they, they held, it's like it just turned into this flickering flame. And, and they couldn't see how the future could get any better. And you know how this works, because it works the same way with us. Maybe you started off, you had that wedding day, and you're full of hope as a new bride or bridegroom over what the future is going to look like for the both of you. But then years of disappointment, hurt, fighting, arguing, pain, and the light of hope grows dim. Or maybe for you, the day arrives and your baby is born, but as that son or daughter grows up, they slip into some bad habits that become bad addictions that turn into them turning their back on their faith, or they turn their back on you at some point, and you can find that hope growing dim. Or you start off life, you've got some big dreams, you've got some, some big ambitions, but then that job is lost, the relationship goes sour, pretty soon purpose turns into just kind of wandering and aimlessness, and then you, before you know it, you can't shake the anxiety, the depression that hangs over you like a thick fog, and next thing you know, hope is just all but gone, and it just has grown totally dim. And so here we have Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites. And when hope was just about gone, those just seemed to be the moments that God would come along and he would, he would speak into the hopelessness. This God who's loving and caring, he would step on the scene and he'd whisper into their hearts. He'd make another promise. And hope would stir once again. He'd remind them that the, the days ahead we're going to get better because somebody was coming. Somebody was coming. And so he comes to the people of Israel as they're, at one point in history, they're getting invaded by foreign nations and they're just getting pummeled, even to the point where they're being taken off as exiles into a foreign land. It was total hopelessness and despair. And God comes along in that moment and he says this, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hope begins to stir. And then shortly after, God will get even more specific with these promises about the one to come, even explaining that this baby is going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. In another place, God would even explain and, and, and speak a promise about the, the region that, that he would grow up in. Listen to what God promises. He says this. He says, in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. This is where Jesus spent much of his life. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, that sounds like hopelessness right there. God says a light has dawned. He speaks this hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene. This baby's going to become a man who's going to be a great light shining brightly in the midst of deep darkness. But then God comes along and he makes some more promises. But the promises, they take a little bit of a twist. They, they, they're a little bit different. He promises things that the people just hadn't expected. He, he makes some promises about this Messiah that don't quite fit with the people's picture of what this Messiah is going to be or do. God tells them through the prophet Isaiah that when this baby grows up, he will suffer greatly for the sins of his people. Speaking in past tense about what's to come, God says this in Isaiah 53. He says, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. 
we have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. It's a promise that's full of good news. He's going to bear the sins of the world, making it possible for many to be made right, right with God. But because this doesn't fit the picture of how the promise is going to be fulfilled. You see, they had it all set up in their minds, and this doesn't fit their picture of what the promise is going to look like. And because of that, they misinterpret it. They discard this promise. Even to this day, many people miss Jesus because this idea of a suffering servant who is a savior doesn't fit the picture of how the promise is going to be fulfilled. And there's a lesson in this for all of us. And that's this. Don't miss out on Jesus and the blessing that he wants to give to you just because your idea of how the promise should be fulfilled looks different than how he's currently working in your life. He doesn't always work on our schedule. He doesn't always work in the way that we think he should. But nevertheless, stay close to Jesus. And so for hundreds and thousands of years, you, you have the people of Israel. Here they are. They are waiting for the Savior to come. And as they waited, there was always reason for them to hang on to hope. They always had good reason to hope. And the reason that they had to hope is, is, is because of who it was who had made the promises. It's because of who made the promise. It was God who made the promise. And listen to what the Bible says about, about this God who makes these promises. It, it says this, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. In a different place, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ every single time. They are yes. And because God made the promises, hope could be strong, confident, and steady. It wasn't a matter of if the child was going to be born. It wasn't even a matter of where. It was only a matter of when because God made the promise. And then finally, on a quiet Still night, as the people waited, God was busy setting the scene. A pregnant virgin and her fiancé had just settled down into a stable because there was no room for them in the inn. Just outside of town, a ragtag group of shepherds were tending their sheep, completely unaware that the sky was about to light up as a heavenly host of angels filled the night with their angelic song. And then up above, a star had been placed in the sky that would light the way for worshipers to come from far away. And then the Bible describes in the simplest of, of ways what happened next. It says the time came. The moment in history that would separate B.C. from A.D., the time came. After all the waiting, through all the hope-filled days, in the dark days, the time came came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped them in clothes and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's a lot of places that, that we put our hope, isn't there? A lot of places. Hopefully you didn't have your hopes in the Seahawks this afternoon. And hopefully you didn't have the game DVR'd. I apologize if you did. <laughs> um, some places are hoping their career. Some hope that that career is going to bring stability. It's going to bring security. It's going to bring a big, massive nest egg. Others place their hope. All they're hoping they're friends, hoping that they're going to get something from their friends, that, that their friends are going to give them cause to just look into the future with hope and joy. Others put their hope in their family. Others put their hope in, in, in a spouse or some other relationship. Maybe for you this Christmas, you're hoping that, that this Christmas you're going to get the perfect gift and you've, just, uh, you've got all your hope. <laughs> and, and tonight or tomorrow morning, however you do Christmas. Maybe you're hoping for the perfect vacation. Maybe you place your hope in yourself. You're here tonight and you're going, yeah, I, I can't put my hope in anybody else, so I'm just going to put my hope in me. And, and I'm going to put my hope in my ability to make decisions and my, my ability to just kind of get through. I mean, I've got some inner strength. I'm resilient. I'm going to put my hope in myself. Back when Jesus was born, a lot of people missed it. Even as he grew up to become a man and then die on the cross, People missed it. He was rejected by many people because they placed their hope in something else. They placed their hope in this idea that, that the Messiah was going to be a conquering king, riding in, on a white horse, raising up armies and, and having a throne and conquering all their enemies. And they missed it. They missed it because they didn't place their hope in this, this baby who would one day suffer and die for the sins of the world. He didn't work or act in the way that they had expected him to. And I would say to you today, don't miss Jesus because his work in your life looks different than you had expected it to look. Don't miss him because of that. Instead, this Christmas, why not place your hope in the one who is the living hope? The Bible calls him the living hope. He's not a dead hope. He's a living hope. Why not put your hope in the one whose love for you is never going to change. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you've done, how bad it's been. It doesn't matter what you're going to do in the future, good or bad. His love for you does not change. Why not put your hope in this Jesus? Why not place your hope in the one who was born to be your Savior? The Bible says it like this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son. His, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And then this powerful verse that the kids in Kids Rock and Adventureland have been memorizing this last month. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, listen to this. This is good news for you tonight. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Amen? God sent his son to be the savior of the world. Or you could just put it like this. God sent his son to be your savior. He sent his son to be your savior. To die on the cross for your sins and mine. So that you could have life. When you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, you can have what that old hymn writer from long ago described as strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And tonight, you know, whether you, you came in here tonight and maybe you're here tonight and you're going, yeah, my hope is strong. I believe that, that there are better days ahead. Or, or maybe you're here tonight and, and any hope that you've got is just, I mean, it's just hanging on a thread. There is one who promises a bright hope and a future for you today. His name is Jesus and when you run to him for refuge, the Bible describes what can be yours. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, we who have fled for refuge. If you're here tonight and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you know this, that's what it's about. You go, man, my life is broken. It's a mess. I'm messed up. I, I need somebody to save, me, to save me. You've ran to Jesus for refuge. And the Bible says, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this, this being the salvation that we have in Jesus, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. No matter what the days ahead might have in store for us, no matter how broken they might be, no matter what good or bad might come, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that the salvation we have in him that can be an anchor for our souls. My encouragement to you today is to put your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Let him be that anchor for your soul. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, what else can we say on, on Christmas Eve but thank you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, thank you for what this, this, this celebration means for us today. Lord, thank you that it means that we can have hope. Thank you that it means that, that we can have salvation. Thank you that it means that the separation that there, there was between us and you, God, Lord, it can, it can be broken down, that it can be bridged because of the cross. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that it means that we can have um, Jesus, we can have you living inside of us, you who is the, the breath of life, the living water, the bread of life. We can have you living inside of us. Thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, I want to pray tonight, Lord, for, Lord, first of all, for the person that's here tonight that has no hope. Lord, maybe they don't know you, or maybe at one time they, they were just going full on with you, Jesus, and they just knew that there was nothing but a hope in you. They just they understood that, but tonight, God, they're here, and life has just taken its beating on them, and, and they don't have much hope. Lord, I pray that, that, Jesus, you would just whisper to their hearts here in this moment that, that, Lord, because of you, because of the cross, because of all that you've done, because you are alive, Jesus, there can be hope. God, may they put their faith and their trust in you. 
God, may they run to you like a, a, a refuge that they so desperately need tonight. God, I want to pray, God, specifically for, for, for those that are here tonight that are, God, they're feeling the, the, the agony and the grief and the sorrow of this being the first Christmas without that loved one. God, I want to especially pray for them. God, in whatever kind of hopelessness or despair they're experiencing and walking through, Lord, I pray that you, the God of hope, would just be especially close to them, God, this Christmas season. And God, for the rest of us, I just want to ask, God, that we would keep our hope in you. God, may we keep our hope in you. God, not in our jobs. God, not in the people that, that, that surround our lives. God, as thankful as we are for them, God, may we keep our hope firmly anchored in you, in you as Messiah, in you as Lord, and in you as the Savior of the world. And Father, I just want to pray that over the next couple days, God, t tonight and then on into tomorrow, into tomorrow, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, this will just be a blessed time of year. God, may we have a, a, just a deep appreciation for our families. God, regardless of how those relationships stand, God, I pray that we would just be light. God, may we just have experienced the joy of, of, of having family and friends around us. And, and, Jesus, I just want to pray, God, for each person here, I pray your deepest, richest blessing in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.